0: We're continuing our time in Romans chapter 13. Last week, we went over verse one. I'll get to more of that in a moment. <clears throat> but we are looking at the governing authorities. We're looking at the relation of the Christian um, <clears throat> the Christian in relation to uh, the civil civil authorities and our civil duties as believers, and um, what that looks like, what that means, and God's expectation. And commands on us um, for this particular topic. I know a lot of times it's difficult for us to really process and understand what it looks like for us, what it means for us, um, the application for each and every one of us as believers on we are not to be um, of this world, we are to be in it, but we are not of this world. We are of God, and our future hope is heaven. Our future home is heaven. With that understanding and with that um, knowledge, a lot of times it's easy for us to um, have that bit of, of understanding, that bit of knowledge, but it's very difficult for us uh, when it comes to application. So difficult that it's, it's come to a point where a lot of Christians believe that their views, their roles, their understanding of governing authorities is completely separate from their faith, from their hope in Jesus Christ, from their position in the Lord. And this is a false understanding, a false statement, false belief. Um, It is... Something that we need to not only truly understand of the scriptures, but truly understand what it means lived out, not just in biblical times, but in the times in which we live in now. So with that being said, what are some of the things that you find most difficult? What are some of the things that you find most difficult to process, to understand, to apply in your life? As you live in the current culture and society in which we live, what are some of the most difficult? Now, depending on your season of life in which you're in, and a lot of times the season of life you're in is dictated by your age. That's very understandable, uh, very common. Um, You may or may not be processing this very much at all. Well, I really don't have much opinion when it comes to governing authorities, when it comes to uh, law enforcement, when it comes to military, when it comes to government, when it comes to local and state and federal politicians. I really don't have much opinion at all. It's one of those things out of sight, out of mind, and I just won't bring it into my sight. Therefore, I can keep it out of my mind. But is this a biblical understanding of how we are to approach such things, such such institutions, such thoughts, such application, application in how we live our lives? Because these things affect us each and every day. Each and every day. I don't know if you know this or not, but right now, you are being dictated by the governing authorities in our community, in our state, in our country. You cannot turn a blind eye to it. You all pay taxes one way or another, from the clothes that you are wearing to the textbooks that you purchase, to the schools that you go to, to the taxes you pay for the jobs that you work, to the roads that you ride on, that you drive on, The gas that you pay for at the pump, for the food that you eat, you are subject to the governing authorities in which we live in. So I would say this is a very important chapter. This is a very important passage that we've been looking at. This is hence the reason why I looked at just verse 1 last week of chapter 13. If you missed that, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that message. It is that that part of the foundation or the platform in which we are going to be springing off of this morning, looking at verses two through seven. I will do a, a little, a bit of an extensive review of verse one, briefly, or I can't say extensive and briefly in the same sentence. I guess, uh, but we will be looking at it uh, uh, in in a summary, so to speak, as we review it going into verse prior prior to us going into verse 2 so what is my point my point is this we should not have the attitude or mindset that governing authorities doesn't apply to me right now in the life that I live we should also not see it as well i'm completely consumed by governing authorities there needs to be an understanding of what does the scriptures tell us what do the scriptures say No matter where you are in the season of life in which you are in now, no matter what age you have, you are right now, you are affected by governing authorities. You are. So what is your purpose? What are the commands of God? What is your role in the midst of all these governing authorities and how they press upon you these different things that essentially structure, essentially um, direct how you live your life. How you live your life. Whether you know it or not, they do each and every moment. Why is that? Because it is society which, in which we live in. So how are we that belong to God ultimately belonging to God, if you are a believer here this morning, you belong to God through Jesus Christ. How do we function? How do we live? How do we go out our daily lives with this understanding? And this goes back to part of Paul's teaching in 12, Romans 12 that tells us, where to be in the world, not of the world. You belong to Christ. And we get a little more detail here. So what is difficult for you as a believer, if you are, in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone? What is most difficult for you to process, to adhere to, to live out in the current culture and society of the governing authorities in which we live under each and every day? Before we go any further, let me pray, and we'll get into our review and then our text for us this morning. Lord God, thank you for all that you've given us. May we truly submit to your scriptures and your Holy Spirit above all things. May our time together this morning be a time that blesses, honors you, glorifies you in every way. May we submit ourselves to the hearing and teaching of your word and the desire that you have for us the path that you have for us. So, Lord, bless us this time. May this message be of you and no one else. And may we truly see your truth above all things. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 13, verse 1. We saw Paul bringing to us a very big statement in verse 1 continues to show us and help us understand that we no Christian is exempt from the governing authorities in which that are placed. Why? Because they were placed by God. It's well known um, during this time who was in power, and we talked about that. Do we remember Nero? Like the kind of the time frame in which Romans was written and the time that it probably would have been over there, and so it was it was before some. Some argue that it was right around the same time of the Great Persecution of the Great Fire that happened in AD 64, where a lot of Rome burned. Nero blamed it on the Christians and therefore started um, the mass and very brutal and grotesque persecution of Christians. We talked about that briefly. Gave you some examples. We also see that just. A, understanding the establishment of the different institutions that God has given us. And now we're looking at that of governing authorities. This is from God and understanding that we need to not only understand, but adhere to, submit to those governing authorities. For all of us that are believers, saved by grace, through Christ and Christ alone, we must be subject to these institutions. And we are. See, we went back into Genesis chapter 9 and looked at when the first governing authority was given to to mankind, and it was capital punishment. That's part of and is the institution that God has established for us in our culture, in our society, as a God fearing people. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of uh, governing authorities that are out there, um, not only in our own country, but especially many other countries around the world that are very corrupt, very bad, very brutal, all of these things. And God, that is not what God has ordained. That was not what God has um, um, pushed forward. But the understanding is this. Without any governing authority, without any any law and order, Chaos ensues. Anarchy ensues. Without any structure, any law and order, a society cannot essentially survive. God knew this. God ordained this. God pushed this forward. And even though there's a lot of bad ones out there, something is better than nothing to a certain extent. But God ultimately has created those governing authorities as an institution, so to speak. So it's hard for us to, to look at an individual and say, how does this individual represent God? And the thing is, is that they don't. That person as an individual, and I'll get to more of that in our text, uh, our passage this morning. But I want to remind us that the individual isn't a representation of God. More than likely, they don't even know God or believe in God, but the position in which they are in was instituted by God, more than likely. So we need to have an understanding to this. this is why we see in verse 1, right in the beginning, Paul says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. We looked at that subject, right? The subject being as, as a soldier underneath a commanding officer, right? Command is given, the soldier responds. Doesn't question, doesn't doubt, responds, listens. They are subject to... But one of the things that in and through all of this, and we're going to continue to see as a common thread, that we must honor God first. And above all things, we must honor God first. This is one of the, the first application point that I gave you last week. Honor God first in all things. So in these governing authorities, threaten, approach, uh, take away from, water down, whatever it may be, our commands from God, We honor God first. We honor God first. There are many things that are going on right now in our culture, in our society, in our country. One of the big ones, and and the, the message is not going to be on this. I'm just going to simply refer to it. And then it's going to hopefully be a supplemental element to the rest of the teaching this morning. A lot of us know that abortion is a very controversial topic. As Christians, abortion is wrong. It is something that is, uh, that is legal, and a lot of states have their different variations of it and reasonings for it and so on and so forth, some far more strict than others. But some states are becoming more and more um, in the direction of pro-life. They value life. Life starts in the womb. At conception. At conception. Well, some of us may have the argument that it's like, well, that's just a forming a blob of cells. The thing is, when they find one microorganism, one cell on the planet Mars, they say, we found life on Mars. But when there is conception in the womb, it's like, that's not life. It's just cells. It's a contradiction uh, within science in itself. But the point being is this, abortion is not, is not a biblical mandate. It's not okay to take life, and this is something that has been a very difficult task in our country as far as the law. And why do I bring this up? Because they have began to argue Roe v. Wade, the law that actually allowed abortion to be legal in our country. And now they, it is at the highest court and is being argued, it started this past week. There is a likely possibility that Roe v. Wade could be overturned in our country. And it's something that Christians that have been pushing for many, many, many years. Some that I know very personally that are close friends of mine that are advocates for such a thing. So this gives us an understanding That there are things that happen in our culture, in our society, in our country that Christians need to stand up against. Stand up against. We know this in a sense of civil disobedience. And this will be part of our message this morning. If you'd like to know more about that, I encourage you to dig in a little deeper, have some actually credible resources that you look at. If you're not quite sure, feel free to please reach out to myself. Or Diane, we'd be more than happy to talk with you more about that topic. But with that being said, let us get to our text this morning and understand the direction that Paul continues to go, stemming from verse 1. Romans chapter 13, verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resist what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur Judgment. Who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities and minister, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Now we're going to jump right into verse 2. Now i will reread it for you. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, as we saw very clearly last week in verse 1, Paul taught us that those who have been justified by faith are obligated to be subject to human government, all governing authorities. Now, verse 2 still holds that anyone who disobeys or rebels against governing authorities is going against what God has ordained. And yes, it says God has ordained. And it even says what? That they are what? Ministers of God, right? Whoever resists authorities, resists God, has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Okay? So, basically, whoever resists lawful authority deserves punishment. Lawful authority. It must be lawful. Now, obviously, this does not happen in every instance. Government does sometimes, governing authorities in general, do overstep their bounds, overstep their authority, and it does happen. Every institution has its pitfalls, its sins, its shortcomings, so to speak. But when this happens, the believer will find find it impossible to obey and civil disobedience disobedience is a must now we must understand this okay there are those who understand what this means and i'm going to get into that quite a bit and then we'll summarize some of the what it's almost something we're going to look at a contrast to the verse and then we're going to look at the main point of the verse if that makes sense but what i was getting at is a lot of us we don't know what to do with this, so we like to turn a blind eye to it, and we turn away. So then whatever is, is instituted, whatever is pressed upon us by the governing authorities, whatever level that they may be, local, state, or um, federal, we just go with the flow. You essentially become a dead fish. A dead fish. This is my own understanding. This is my own opinion, I guess, to a certain extent. You're a dead fish. You float downstream. You go with the flow. You go with everyone else. You're a dead fish. A live fish is the one who who swims upstream for a purpose and an intent, and this is just my own depiction, my own example. You're not going with the flow. You're going against the flow. In a sense, we are to be countercultural, in in this respect, we go. We are to go against the culture, to go against society. Why? Because there are things that are being implemented that don't correlate, that don't that don't go with, that don't uh, 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 jive with, or they're not kosher, so to speak, with the scriptures. And so then we either are a dead fish or a live fish. We swim against the current, we go against the flow. And a lot of times it has to do with our attitude and emotion. Our attitude and emotion. This is dictating your decisions as opposed to what? God's word. God's word, this should be dictating your actions at every level, at every point. Well, I don't think, there you go, an attitude and an emotion. Anytime that we enter into something when answering God's word, well, I don't believe, I don't feel you're relying on the flesh. You're relying on the flesh. It's that simple. When I have conversations with people, it always depends on the person that is in front of me that dictates how I talk to them and how I respond. If someone comes to me and they're like, I'm a strong Christian or I'm a theologian or I study the scriptures, okay, we're going to have a conversation at that level. Someone comes to me and they're still wrestling and figuring things out, we're going to have a conversation at that level. It doesn't matter where you are in the journey, your spiritual journey that you are on. We're all at different points. All of us. And the first thing we need to understand is like, am I on the path of God? Okay. And wherever you are on that path, you need to accept and understand that it's okay. That it's okay. What's not okay is I'm fine right where I am. Because that gives an understanding of, I don't need to grow. There's no sanctification that needs to take place. I don't need to become more like Christ. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. So the point is this, is those conversations need to happen. Those challenges need to take place. And we need to have an understanding and have a transparent evaluation of our own hearts and our own minds. Wow, you know what? When I respond to something, when it comes to governing authorities, it's typically, well, I think or I feel. Maybe I should should have a response that says, well, you know what God's word says? Or maybe I should have an understanding to where it's like, you know what? I think and feel this, but I need to know what God's word says. Now here's a little side note. Here's the, here's the, here's the um, hitting the sweet spot, so to speak. When we, when we think and feel something, it's like, I need to know what God's word says. And we go to God's word and our thoughts and our emotion are right in line with God's word. That's the sweet spot. And how does that happen? Because we know God's word and then that dictates our thought and our emotion. Head, heart, walk, always teaching you guys that that's the sweet spot. The thing is is we got it reversed. We have our opinions, we have our emotions, and we live life. We never go to God's word unless we're challenged or someone says something, or we come to church and turn to this scripture, turn to this passage, I'm like okay, well, that's not what I believe. Well, then what you believe is wrong. And I know that it's not okay in your culture today. But I will tell you that each and every time. If scripture says this and what you believe don't match, I'll say what you believe is wrong. What you feel is wrong. Well, you can't tell me how to feel. Yes, I can. If it's God's word. God's word says this. Well, I don't feel that this should happen. It doesn't matter what you feel should or shouldn't happen. It's what God's word says. Well, that's not how it is, Pastor Raph. Yes, it is. It's just how you are not allowing it to be dictated in your own life. So when it comes to governing authorities, we have to have an understanding. It's not about an opinion. It's not about an emotion. It's about God's word. That's a little golden side nugget for you, okay, so to speak. That when we have a belief on something, we have an emotion about something, and then we see that, it wow, this truly aligns with God's Word. That's a sweet spot. But the goal is not to have a thought and an emotion, and hopefully it aligns with God's Word. It's, I know God's Word, and then that dictates my thoughts and emotions. That's why we need to be in God's Word. That's why we need to be congregating together. Corporate worship, the hearing and preaching, teaching of God's Word, exhortation. That's why you need true Christian fellowship. True Christian fellowship. Helping, striving, spurring on, and sharpening of one another, fellow believers, to be more like Christ. So with this, with all this understanding, we must understand, we must see that civil disobedience does come into the picture. Pastor Raf, how, why is civil disobedience part of Scripture? If you were here last week or you heard my message from last week, you'll know that in Acts chapter 4, we looked at civil disobedience. When Peter and John were told by the Sanhedrin not to preach in the name of Jesus, right? And they asked um, who they believed, who they should obey. You can't keep doing that. People are listening to them. They're turning to Jesus. You need to stop. Wait a second. You're telling me to stop. Wait, am I to honor God or honor you? You, you be the judge. Tell me. You want me to honor you over God? And they're like, we can't respond to this. So they just let them go. After they let him go and they went to go preach to another area, they apprehended them. Then they did what? They took them to the Sanhedrin. Essentially put in trial, right? They're doing something wrong. Take them there. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. They're speaking of Jesus. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They don't want to have anything to do with what they had called the way. Christians. Jesus Christ, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So you're gonna tell us to stop. I ain't gonna stop. I'm not gonna stop. Why do you think so many churches? Well, I, I shouldn't say so many churches, I'm, I'm assuming. I don't want to do that. Why do you think it was so difficult when our governor of our state said, you cannot meet in church? It's too dangerous. Can't do it. You can't do that. That's against our constitution. It's against the law for him to do that. It's it's against the law. Why our founding fathers were Christians and if you actually study the constitution and understand it and the mindset of those who are instituting this, the the constitution that we have and a lot of the laws that we have there's a lot of things we say, wow, there's this is from scripture, this is from scripture, this is from scripture. There's a reason why, and I'll get to this more later at the end. On our money, it says, in God we trust. So with that understanding, you can't meet. So a lot of churches, we won't meet, we'll do this, we'll do that. Some of the pastors I talked to, they're like, wow, it's very convenient. They liked it. I'm like, okay, that's not biblical. We're called to gather. Well, there's this great plague of you know, pandemic and all. I'm like, what do you think people dealt with in biblical times? No modern medicine. Those lepers can't come and worship God. Keep them away. Are you kidding me? They were bringing the sick to Jesus through crowds. Absolute nonsense. Then, push back. Okay, you can meet, but it can only be a little bit of people, and you can't sing. When that came out, so there's some pastor friends of mine, we laughed at that. We laughed. You can't sing. Don't get me wrong. There are those that, you know what, it's not safe. We're high risk. We're not sure about this COVID thing. I was there. I, 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 you can ask some of our leadership. Hey, let's stream online. It's making an option if people, you know, I, we understand. We want to be sensitive to that, but here at Kaleo Church, we never stopped meeting, never. My door was always open on Sunday mornings, always. Never stopped. Why? Because God commands us to. Why? The state has pushing upon us. A governing authority was pushing upon us. You can't meet you can't sing, you can't do this, Uh, you can't tell me what to do when it comes to these things. Civil disobedience. You want to know more about this? You can see a very large church in L.A. L.A. is one of the strictest implementations of COVID restrictions in our whole state. A lot of times they implement things in L.A. before the governor even says them for California. John MacArthur's church, Grace Community. Guess what? Sued the state. Guess what? One. State has to pay out all this money. They went so far as to trying to stop them to turn off their power, to turn off their water, to revoke the contract that they had for the parking lot for their church. Sued them. Not, Not for money. Not for money to say, you cannot come into our house of worship and tell us how to worship God. We are commanded by God to do these things. You cannot dictate that. We do not live under a tyranny. We do not live under a dictatorship. This is not how our country was developed. There's so many laws that exist for the sole purpose of specifically Christians to be able to protect what their faith it's very simple now a lot of us through our time together in this we might have saying well there's a thing between separation of church and state and you know who is to protect from the separation of church and state it was basically so they cannot come and say everyone in this state has to be a christian And the state that come in and dictate to the church what they have to look like, when they have to be. It, it, that, it can't be like that. It's not, well, you can't have a Bible in a school. That, that's not biblical. That's not even constitutional. You can't carry a Bible in a school. I know there's different back and forth on indoctrination and different things like that. I don't want to get onto that tangent, but that this is, these are forms of civil disobedience that we see currently, we see in Scripture, and we must be able to push back as believers. And I'm trying to raise up some political party of Christians or this or that. That is not my intent whatsoever. The intent is that you understand the Scriptures for what they are. And as you have a true understanding of the Scriptures for what they are, the Holy Spirit gives you convictions. And your convictions may be the same as mine, may be completely different from mine. And that's okay. As long as they are rooted and adhere to the Scriptures. And it's up to you to submit and live out those convictions by the Holy Spirit. So there are times when a believer must be, or by obeying God, Incure the wrath of man. You can't meet. I'm going to meet. There's pastors getting, back, uh, getting arrested. Churches being fined thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars daily. Every time they meet. There are state police being sent to uh, pastors' homes. All these things. And this isn't anything I'm talking about outside of our country. This is just the United States. You can just go north and see it's way more strict north in Canada. So there are times that we must stand. There must be civil disobedience, and we're going to have the consequences. We see the same thing with Peter. we see it with Paul, particularly with Paul, constantly beaten to the point of death and thrown outside the city gates because they thought he was dead. Why? Because of his civil disobedience. He would not stop living out the commands that God has given him just because some council, some Sanhedrin, some, some uh, author, governing authorities told him not to. We must continue to stand firm. We must be the salt and light of this earth of our communities, of our culture, and we must not be ashamed. We must not. Now, let's get back to our text. I want to get into the, 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 this is kind of the, uh, a different contrast or a contrast to a certain extent of uh, of, uh, verse 2. But then we need to understand what verse 2 is, the main point, right? Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So those who resist unrighteously have another fate. Have another fate. We can see so clearly in our culture and society the unrighteousness, the unrighteous resistance of authorities. So much crime, so much sin. So much. It's interesting because our president said this past week, well, all the crime rates are up because of COVID. I'm like, am I hearing this right? The president of our United States is blaming our crime rates and particularly referencing uh, our Bay Area and L.A. counties as a byproduct of COVID. What's interesting is, is one of his uh, Democratic cohorts cohorts from San Jose came out and said, uh, no, when we make laws that don't punish these types of crimes, we remove those punishments. This is what happens. I had to reread that article like three or four different times. Wasn't quite sure I was reading it correctly but we see unrighteous civil disobedience. It's not okay. These are not okay. They're going to incur judgment, and I want to look at that briefly. The word judgment is krima in the Greek. Krima. Now, this is a judgment that is very similar to the judgment of God very very similar we must understand and see that it's not the same why because it is an earthly judgment but it's a judgment by governing authorities that have been instituted by God himself right and so we see that we're going to see that throughout our passage but this is to judge a person to be guilty and label right label them for punishment very similar to the judgment of God, but it is not the same. We're going to see as we continue on, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, the purpose and role of these government authorities, these governing authorities. And then we can see it's like, okay, the intent was this. What is it now? And it's case by case, absolutely. But we have something to hold it up to. And what are we holding it up to? Well, God is teaching us so with that being said let's move on to verse 3 so we go from the resistance of these authorities right God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment consequences of their sin okay so as Christians we are to adhere to the governing authorities unless it violates goes against what well we are mandated by God to honor him first we'll talk about that more later But there are those who have um, civil disobedience that goes against these and they're going to incur judgment. Why is that? For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. As logic would tell us, people who do what is right, need not fear the authorities. It is only those who break the law who have to fear punishment. Now, I have a background in military. I was an infantry soldier. I have a lot of training. I was deployed overseas. Um, I have a lot of riot control training. Um, These types of things. I also worked as a federal correctional officer. I have a lot of training with that as well. And we are always trained. You meet force with force. It's not, it's not always equal, it's always a little bit more. Why? Because we have to subdue the threat. We have to subdue the threat. They bring a knife, I have a gun. So on and so forth. What our current culture is trying to push in some of the cities, have some of the largest crime rates in our country, is they bring a knife, you bring your words. They have a gun, bring your words. You need to counsel them not to kill people. It doesn't make sense. The point is this. It's very simply put. <coughs> excuse me. Very simply put in verse three for rulers are not a terror to good conduct. Their intent, the institution and the position that they have is not to press upon those who are good. It's to press upon those who are bad. If you're good, you have nothing to fear. If you're bad, yeah, you have a lot to fear. We're going to see more on that in a moment. But we must understand there's so many examples in our current society today. Anytime something comes out, it's like, oh, there's a new video. Cop shoots another person. I don't believe the news anymore, regardless of the new news organization. I always want to see the content and video for myself. Okay? Always want to see it for myself. Always want to try to understand the full context situation. I've seen so many. I've even had friends involved, law enforcement friends involved in certain things. And the video that is blasted on social media, it's meant for you to look at it and to get upset. Because negative content actually gets more interaction than positive. These people know this. These people know this. So instead of showing five minutes of content that shows the whole situation from beginning to end, they show you 30 seconds. They show you 30 seconds. And then we make a snap judgment based on that 30 second video. Oh my gosh. The police are horrible. These people are horrible. They're bad people. They're out shooting everybody. They're all doing, oh my gosh. It's meant to stir you up. It's meant to be negative. Cop shoots unarmed man running away. Cop shoots armed man running away. Listen, uh, there's... I can talk to you all day long about the different scenarios and situations and how someone gets shot in the back. And that's why it goes and it gets evaluated and it's like deemed justified. Oh, they're just allowing these people to get away with these things. It makes no sense. Here's the thing. You do bad things. There are bad consequences. Yes, on the outside, looking at social media or the news, we might sit there and think, okay, that's not justified. And how are we qualified to deem what is justifiable and what is not? I'm not even qualified. And I have background and experience. Thing is, we need to understand, you do bad things, there are consequences for sin. Consequences for sin, it's that simple. You don't want bad things that happen to you by governing authorities. Don't do bad things. Now, yes, I understand this is in principle. This is a perfect situation, perfect scenario, perfect culture, perfect community where there's no bad people and no one makes prejudice and no one makes this or that. I understand those exist. It is a minority. It's not a majority. It's a minority, not a majority. Yes, people need to do better. People need to make better judgments, better this, better that. I understand 100% completely. But until you have someone threatening your life, you will never understand, never understand the situation that our governing authorities are put in, particularly our law enforcement. You have to make a split decision in less than a second on how to respond so we have to understand when people do bad things there are bad consequences it's that simple are there mistakes made? absolutely these are the general principles that God has instituted for us to understand and he says it right here in verse 3 it's not to put fear on those who do good it's to put fear on those who do bad because God has instituted law and order. Why? So that anarchy and chaos doesn't ensue. And ultimately the law and order does what? It exposes sin. It exposes sin. The believer's ultimate allegiance is to God. But we can understand that if we want to enjoy a life free from tickets, fines, fees, trials, and prison, the thing to do is to be a law-abiding contributing member to society this is why if i get pulled over for speeding i smile yep that was me you got me that's my fault i own my sin i try to talk with the officer i shake their hand i I do all that why because they're doing their job and i was wrong and i need to repent of my sins it is not their fault It's mine. It's mine. Don't get me wrong. There are times I've done nothing wrong and I've this and that. I even had years ago, I had a church member call me from jail. Pastor Raph, please pray for me. I've been arrested. They got me confused with somebody else. I don't know why, this and that. Pray for me. That was one of his phone calls. Hour later, I get another phone call. Hey, can you come pick me up? They're releasing me. So I I go pick them up. I'm like, what happened? There's a fugitive, my same first and last name, and the same last four digits of my social security number. Not the same social security number. Same. It's like, it just took a while, but... I was arrested, I was fingerprinted, I had everything, I was put into jail. Because I know this individual, I'm like, man, this is like the sweetest guy. And he was like, I don't know what's going on. And so it happens. It happens. we have to submit to the governing authorities. The intent is to praise the good and punish the bad. To maintain law and order. Basically, you have nothing to fear if you do good. Again, this is a general principle, not an absolute. And we must see the key principles here of the governing authorities that have been put in play to what? To keep order and expose sin. Let's turn to Titus chapter 3. we I closed with this last week, but I only closed with the first verse. We're going to look at a little bit more in Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Okay? We see that. We see that. Christians should not be in unlawful actions, lifestyle, careers, whatever it may be. Verse 2 to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Why? For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, and led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So in our understanding of 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 what we see here in Titus, that this is how you used to be. We can say, okay, this is how unbelievers are. This is how they are. Don't be enticed to join in. Don't be coerced to join in. We belong to the family of God. Verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So how do we get rid of that? Jesus. How do we get rid of that? Repentance. How do we get rid of that? Grace, mercy, mercy salvation We need to go stand with these people. They've been wronged. All. People have been wronged for generations since the beginning of time. We looked at Cain and Abel. What they need is Jesus. Why? Cuz the mindset will always be corruption, anarchy, lawlessness. Sin. We must truly understand the word of God when it comes to such things. Let's move on to verses 4 and 5. Romans chapter 13. For he is God's servant for your good. Who are you talking about? Governing authorities. Okay. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he is the servant of God. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Verse five. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Paul takes us further. The ruler no matter the position or title, is instituted by God. This person may not know God personally, but their purpose is to promote the good of people and maintain law and order. Ultimately, they are God's servant for your own good. At least, this is how it should be. This is how it should be. We begin to see the purpose of these positions. Oh, why is that so important? Why is that so important? But if you do wrong, they will also punish you according to the law. The ruler serves as an instrument of God for the benefit of society. And the word servant here, this is the same word used for deacon. It's the same word for deacon. They're a servant of God. Okay. Hmm. We live in a country that allows us to a certain extent choose who our governing authorities are. So if we live in a land that allows us the, at least the choice to, for our voices to be heard to cast a vote on who's going to be above us, then how should we choose who who that individual is going to be? This is why when people ask, what are your political views? And I said, biblical, that doesn't make sense. Well, let me educate you then. Oh, that's a little harsh, Pastor Raph. It's a little negative. No, it's not. They obviously don't know, so I'll educate them. Why do you go to school? Because you don't know a bunch of stuff, and you need to be educated. What is my role as a pastor? To educate. That is one part of my role as a pastor to educate, to exhort, to bring the gospel. All these things, it's all part of that. But then these governing authorities that are placed above us, wow. We don't live in a land where they're chosen and they're dictated above us and we have no choice, no say whatsoever. We have a freedom, we have a choice, we have the opportunity to actually choose. Talk to anybody that's been in a third world country. This is why so many are offended when immigrants come here and then they burn American flags. They talk bad about the United States. They talk bad about, wait a second. If you love where you came from so much, why did you leave? We're doing something right. We're doing something right. So we have an opportunity to vote, choose. So then therefore, biblically speaking, we should look into scriptures and say, okay, how should they lead? What is their role? What is their purpose? I'm not trying to get political and this and that, but when you have a president that says, oh, people are committing crimes because of a a sickness, of a pandemic, it doesn't make sense. People are committing crimes because they are sinning. People are committing crimes because they've removed laws that implement punishment for those laws. It is that simple. Why do you think one of the the top two people, two groups that are coming and flooding to the Central Valley are from L.A. and the Bay Area? Because they don't want to live in those communities anymore. They don't. I don't blame them. But as we, as Christians, as believers, we have the freedom to at least have a voice. Say, you know what? I'm going to vote for righteousness as best as we possibly can. Those who, who are for godly things, uh, that's what I'm going to do. Why? Because God tells us to. This is their role. This is their role. During biblical times, they didn't get to choose. We have an opportunity to choose. We don't live under that anymore. So, who do you choose? Who do you choose? That's for each and every one of us to wrestle with, to look at the scriptures. I'm not sitting here to tell you to, you need to vote this or you need to do that. That is not my place whatsoever. But I am to explain the scriptures to each and every one of you. This is what the scriptures say. This is what the scriptures say. This is what the scriptures say. Allow the Holy Spirit to press upon you those convictions. We see the role. We see what it should be. So we understand if they do wrong and understand they're servants and being a servant, this is the same word as deacon. And we see here that they are to bear the sword. They're an avenger. They are to carry out God's wrath on wrongdoers. What is a righteous judge? Someone who does wrong, they are given punishment for the wrong that they've done. That is a righteous judge. It's a righteous judge. Someone who comes and does wrong, like, oh, you know what? I'm sure you didn't mean it. You can go. Remove punishment for the sin. There's no punishment for the sin. There's no punishment for the crime. There's no punishment for the wrongdoing. That's an unrighteous judge. That's why God is a righteous judge. This is why, apart from Jesus Christ, our sins damn us to eternity in hell. We have a righteous judge, which is God. That's why we have grace, undeserved favor, what was done on the cross. We do not deserve what we've been given through Jesus Christ. This is the beauty of the gospel. We see that this is a symbol. They bearing the sword, being an avenger, carrying out God's wrath on wrongdoers. This is a symbol of the government's right to inflict punishment and up to capital punishment. The bring of the sword is one of the reasons why back in the old, uh, old days, the magistrates, those who would, um, they would bring these things to and they would be the judge, they would actually carry a saber. There's a lot of times that the judge is the same one inflicting the judgments. This power has been given by God. Obedience to civil law is necessary, not only for fear of punishment, but also for the sake of conscience. For the sake of conscience, right? And we see that there in verse uh, 5. That's to expose sin. It's to expose sin. Turn me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And then we'll move on to our last two verses. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Oh, okay. So we know we love each other and we love God by obeying His commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. Verse four, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If you are not a Christian, if someone is not a true believer, they cannot overcome the world. You cannot. This is why someone who simply calls themselves a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that they are. They need to be able to respond to Scripture. They need to be able to see, repent. Right? There's all these things that we see as fruits of the spirit that lies within them. Ah, And we get back to what? Well, I believe, well, I feel. And a lot of times there are baby Christians or people who think that they're Christians, they are not. And then I ask questions or I have conversations. Well, I believe or I feel. Then I say, but scripture says. But scripture says. And there's only two responses. Jesus teaches us that the two responses is very simple. There's a wide, broad road. And then there's a narrow road. There's no other. There's no other. So is the response going to be, well, I understand that there's Scripture, but I believe, I feel, as opposed to, oh, there is. I didn't know there was Scripture about that. Can you show me? Absence of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God tells us this. We must truly see that it's much more simple than we think it is. We just complicate it. Why? Because what we believe and what we feel. And I am right there with you. Because there are so many times that I'm approached with things and I'm like, okay, well, I believe this or I feel this. And it's like, wait a second. I just made a decision based on what I believed and what I feel. Then I didn't search God's word. Now, Don't get me wrong. There are times it's very simple. Should I read my Bible? I don't know. Let me go search God's word. You should read your Bible. You should pray. Yeah, There's very simple, logical things is my point. That's like, okay, your heart and mind is already aligned with Scripture. You already know the answer to some of these things, but there's a lot of things in our daily walk, our daily lives, that we respond to, we act on, we make decisions, we do all these things, and we never really search God's Word. They're very important things in our lives, in our culture, in our community, in our family. Man, I believe this, I feel this, you know what? I really should see what God's word says. I'm going God's word, man, I was off about that. Sanctification, exhortation, God's teaching, changing you. Oh wow, okay, I, that's what I—that's what I was thinking. That's 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 what I believe. Okay, that's kind of okay. I remember when, you know, that amazing message from Pastor Raph. You know, the one I didn't fall asleep on. I remember that. Holy Spirit's working. We have to understand. We must get into God's word. Now, there's a bit of a transition here, but we have to understand this is within the topic that Paul is giving us on civil disobedience or civil, civil duty as Christians, right? And then gets us to verses six and seven. I struggle for a while uh, going back and forth. They're like, okay, should I just do a, a message on verses six and seven? It's like, you know, I, I don't want to do that to you guys um, as far as spending a, an hour on taxes and, and, and monies and different things. If you have more questions on this, please, um, please reach out to me. I'd love to chat with you more about it. But that being said, let's get to the last two verses of our, of our passage this morning. Verse six, for because of this, you also pay taxes. Okay, so for because of this also, it's almost like a therefore, right? It's attached to what we've all been looking at in verses one through five up to this point, okay? You all pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. To respect your governing authorities. Pastor Raff, my professor is so anti-Christian, I vomit a little bit in my mouth each time I hear a lecture. I understand. Honor, respect them. Okay? As much as you can. According to what? God's word. It's interesting because there are people um doing things in the world, whether it's nonprofits or they think they're a Christian organization, or whatever. Um, or you know, and they're like, hey, would you be as like, you know what? A lot of time my response is this. I will support you as much as you allow me to support you. I will support you as much as you allow me to support you. You're going down this path, I'll support you. You break away off that path and go down this other one, I can't. You're not allowing me to support you because you're going down a path that I cannot go down. Why is that? Because that's what God's Word tells me. We support our, 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 our Christian club? Sure. Oh, we're going down the path of supporting the LBGTQ community. Can't go down that path. Going down the path of, you know, hey, let's have a, a keger, Let's have a big party with alcohol so we can invite non-Christians. They can see we're fun happening people. Uh, can't go down that path. Let me support you. I will support you as much as you allow me to support you. Same thing. Professor, I'm going to honor and respect you as much as you allow me to honor and respect you. It's that simple. Telling me to dishonor God and honor you? I can't, can't honor you. I can't respect you in that way. Can't do it. Won't do it. simple thing is we need to know those boundaries we need to know those guidelines how do we know scripture stop being lazy christians get in the word i'm the same thing i'm the same way i could put a mirror right here and turn to it i don't know maybe i'll do that one time i'll have a mirror here you'll know why it's there it's not to make sure my hair is good okay it's like i need to tell myself Stop being a lazy Christian, Pastor Raph. You need to pray more, Pastor Raph. You need this more, Pastor Raph. Having an understanding. So, we need to see here, we need to owe the government and authorities not only obedience, okay, but financial support. But also do we see? Honor, respect, revenue. Give them those things. A lot of editors need to understand There's a reason why we have firefighters, police officers, ambulances. We pay our taxes for these different things. Don't get me wrong. This is all general principle. It's not perfect, right? A lot of times it's our taxes are going to things that shouldn't be going to, and that's another topic for another day. But we need to pay these things, right? Yes, government officials are giving their time. They're giving their talents, Some I don't believe really have talents. I won't go down that path. But basically, for the maintaining of what? Of society. The community and we live in the state in which we live in the country in which we live in. But this guy, look, it doesn't matter. They might they don't even know or believe or whatever about God. But the position in which they're in has been instituted by God. That's what we need to understand. So, what should that do? We need to pray. But pray. Do you know what they did? Pray. Yes, have righteous anger, have civil disobedience in a godly manner to push back and cast our vote or do legislation or whatever it may be to take away ungodly things and help these positions be filled by somebody or change the person that is there to be more in line with the structure in which why God created, why he created it. That's your role. That's your job. Why? Well, I, I understand. Trust me. Sometimes I believe I I go and cast my my vote, and I'm like, I live in California. I don't even know where this vote's going to go. I don't know. But it's my responsibility, right? It's my responsibility. I need to be responsible. Yes, government officials are giving their time, their talents for the maintenance and the stability of society and understanding that care for all these things. We need that. It's instituted by God. Yes, in the face of corruption and deceit, we must do our best to honor God and stand for righteousness. But we honor, we understand, we give to, we submit to, as much as we're allowed to, to the positions that are held within not only our communities, our state, and our country. The fact that we believers are citizens of heaven does not exempt us from our responsibility to government. We must pay our taxes. We must submit in these various ways. And we must show honor for the people in these offices of civil, as civil servants. These are our duties as a good Christian citizen. There are some that believe that my citizenship is in heaven, not here. So therefore I don't have to pay taxes. I don't have to submit to any governing authorities, including police officers. That is not what the scriptures teach us. It's not. Just want to make that clear because there are organizations out there. That's how they live. That's what they push. I don't need to go any further down that. Let's turn to Matthew 22 you all should know that I was going to go to Matthew 22 once getting to this section and then we'll close after this Matthew 22 verse 15 then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words speaking of Jesus and they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying teacher we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Now, it's interesting. I had an encounter with a college student one time, and I was like, I don't, I, right now, not to be disrespectful, I don't care about your opinion. I care about God's word. And they're like, you know, that's, that's mean for you to say that. And I was like, well, that's what they said about Jesus. No, they didn't. Uh, Well, turn with me to Matthew 22. Jesus didn't care about their opinion, right? And even the the nonbelievers knew that, okay? It's not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin, for the tax. And they brought him a denarius, denarius. And Jesus said to them, "Whose likeness and inscription is this?" They said, "Caesar's." Then he said to them, "Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's." When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. Now, we can take this literally, and a lot of prosperity pastors speak this. You know what a prosperity pastor is? It's all about money. They just want your money. They don't care if it's a credit card or whatever. They want all your money. Ah, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God. Everyone take out their dollar bills. In God we trust. Give to God what is God's. That is a false teaching of this passage. I needed to point that out, because if you ever come across anything such as that, run Away, We understand that, yes, we already give the Caesars what is Caesar. We need to give a God what is God's, but we need to keep that in context of the Scriptures. If anything, yes, pay your taxes. It's this, that. We understand, yeah, we don't want to give to things that are promoting ungodly things. We need to do the best we can to try to abstain from such things, but understanding that we do live in a society that has these governing authorities that are instituted by God, and money is needed to what? to sustain those. You know that. But here again, Jesus' own words, his own teachings, his own responses, you must adhere to what is commanded by God. We give to God what is God. We must always give to God first. We must always give to God first. So, getting back to our passage, I'm going to reread it briefly, and we'll close with a couple things. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Back in Romans 13. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities and ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. We have to understand, Nero was in control during this time. I don't think that the, the great persecutions were happening when Paul wrote this, but then they were hearing it when that time was about to come or it was just starting to happen. Man, what a difficult passage for the Roman Christians to not only hear, but to live out. Turn me to 2 Corinthians. You don't have to turn if you don't want. I'm just going to go there briefly and then we'll get to our closing passage here in just a second back in Matthew. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 just verse 12 for our boast is this the testimony of our conscience that we behave in the world with simplicity and god and godly sincerity not by earthly wisdom but by the grace of god and supremely <clears throat> by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. Very simply put, is what Paul is teaching us here in this passage in Romans 13. Don't be subject to the world, to God. But we live at peace, sincerity in the world, not of it. You need to understand why we have these governing authorities All governing governing positions are ordained by God for good, to keep order and to punish sin. But they never become greater than the greatest commandments. I don't think I have this up there. Don't worry about it. But it's Matthew 22. A lot of you are already going to know this. And we must understand and adhere to and embrace the greatest commandment in Matthew 22 as Jesus teaches us. Starting verse 36, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. This comes first. This comes first. Why are you doing that? Well, they said I could. Who's they just because it's acceptable by culture, by society and the law permits it doesn't mean you should do it. Doesn't mean you should do it. When non-believers ask Christians, Hey, how come you're not doing this? Because God tells me not to. God tells me not to. Well, why does he tell you not to have that conversation? Hey, why, why do you support this? Why did you vote for this person? This is what they stand for. This is what the scriptures tell me. Governing authority, this is their role. God, God ordained their position. So I need to, to, to have a voice To say, I support these things. Regardless if the person knows God or not, it's a position, it's ordained by God. There are things that are black and white, that are true, that are sinful and not sinful, that are commands by God that we see in Scripture that we adhere to. We want those things to be things of those in governing authorities. How come you didn't vote for this person? He said, we can't sing in church. It doesn't make any sense. They try to shut down churches. Why would they do that? That's not something... They're in an ordained position by God. We must understand we must honor God first in all that we do, and that includes how we interact, how we respond, and how we support governing authorities. We must. So next time when approached or conversations or anything of this matter, search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. Don't, well, I think, I feel. No. God's word says this. And we might have a conversation where we say, I believe this. And they say, well, why do you believe that? Because God's word says so. And that is what we need to stand on and submit to and ultimately live out. So when there are things that are difficult for you to see, witness, adhere to, submit to, whatever it may be, search the scriptures. Because it may be because of a biblical mandate, might be something there that's like, "Hey, that's not right," or it might just be our own emotion or thought, and not a biblical one. But find out why. Understand. Know the scriptures. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for all that you've given us and our time together this morning. I pray that everyone um, here would continue to just chew on and process and meditate on this passage and to truly understand the message, the intent, the context, and understanding of it, Lord God, that is from you, your purpose, your will, and no one else. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.